Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that there is more to confidence in the bedroom or the kitchen or the sex club or a stairwell or the woods or wherever you are. There's so much more to sex wherever you do it than just jackhammering away. But if all you're missing in your relationship is some mutually beneficial stiffness, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office with the doctors that never got trained in sex ed and how to talk to people about it, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They say that there is nothing sexier than confidence, and Blue Chew can help give you confidence where it counts. Of course, I know you sweet listeners know that using confidence to connect, if you can be confident enough to be really vulnerable with someone, to communicate, to create a safe space that you occupy together, that is super hot. That's the foundation of a connection. And if you have a boner, that can definitely help you do certain things that you know that I love, just as long as you don't skip all the other stuff too. Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com. And as they say, chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER. At checkout, you just pay $5 shipping. That is bluechew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wyoli, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where we share intimate details about our intimate interactions in an effort to improve sex lives everywhere. And my guest today on the podcast, I am very, very excited to introduce to you, Carson Tuller. Hi. Welcome. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. Um, okay, for our guests who don't know you already, can yeah. you give us a little intro about who you are? Yeah. My name is Carson Tuller, and I am a 29-year-old living in Brooklyn, New York with my boyfriend. I just moved here about three months ago to live with him. I use he, him pronouns. I identify as gay. I am a wheelchair user, so we'll probably talk about this at some point, but I was in a, a trampoline accident that broke my neck five, almost six years ago, so I'm quadriplegic use a wheelchair, have most of the function in my upper body still. Mm -hmm. Some people wonder why I say I'm quadriplegic when I have use of my arms. Mm -hmm. And that's because you're quadriplegic if you have paralysis in all four limbs. So my hands are partially paralyzed. Mm -hmm. So, but other than my hands, I have most of my upper body use. Do you want some background? I would love whatever you feel is important for us to understand context about your beliefs and stories. I'm really interested to talk about your growing up Mormon. Yeah, <laughs> perfect, because that is so much informed my process with sexuality, with yeah. my sexual orientation. Because you are the first person on this podcast who grew up Mormon. Yes. Okay, perfect. Yeah, so I grew up Mormon in a military family. Oh, what so... branch? I was Air Force. Yeah, Air Force. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, so I moved every three years. and Active duty. Yeah. Okay. So I grew up in like nine different states. Whoa. Just from age one to 
I think we eventually got to Utah where we stayed for my high school years okay. when I was like 16. So, but up until that, yeah, moving a ton and very religious, conservative family. How many siblings do you have? Five. Okay. So and the, where do you fall in the birth order? Number two. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Who's older than you? My older brother. How much older? He is three and a half years older. And so what, if anything, were the conversations about sex like in your family growing up? Like, did you ever hear about it? Yeah, we did. So one of the interesting dynamics about my family is that my dad is a clinical psychologist. Mm. So we have like this conservative religious background and I have a father who knows all about the social sciences and research and kind of like healthy practices about destigmatizing certain things. Yeah. And so there was always this interesting balance or yeah, dynamic of having a conservative background and this not so conservative background. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. Well, I'm, as I'm sitting here, I'm thinking about, well, I'm wondering how much did you guys talk about feelings growing up? Because it sounds like there's like in my family, there's kind of that conservative, sweet Midwestern vibe. And we only talked about like nice feelings and it's not like they were like hiding any deep, dark things, but sure. there just wasn't like, uh, I want to say emotional intelligence. I hope my family doesn't listen to this, <laughs> but I mean, you know, there, we didn't have, totally. we didn't have like a clear language for discussing mm-hmm. emotions growing up. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say that because of my dad mm-hmm. and the way he is, and, and I think also his education, we did have pretty open conversations about emotions. Communication was always something that was encouraged. And so we talked about feelings. We were allowed to get angry. We were allowed to express a lot of love. There was a lot of, um, I have a really good relationship with everyone in my family, really healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. And my dad was always you know, physically affectionate with me in terms of hugs and kisses and yeah. a level of comfort and kind of healthy, good affection between, you know, like a son and a father. Right. Because, you know, I mean, sometimes growing up, there was this, you know, especially as like a gay son, there was sometimes this narrative about like gay kids not having enough love mm. from their fathers. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then they were missing that and they ended up gay because of that. And I always had this sense of like security because my father was just so great with us and he never gay shamed me and I could be into anything I wanted. That's amazing. Will you tell us a little bit about your relationship to coming out or if you want to tell your story about coming out or what it was like in your family? Yeah. We didn't have a lot of conversations about gayness in my family. All I knew is that gay people existed I knew that the LDS church, which is another name for the Mormon church, Mm -hmm. the LDS church had a really strong place in the fight against same-sex marriage right when I was coming out. Mm. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was actually living in California when all of that happened. And about how old were you at the time? I was 13 or 14. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the LDS church also had a clearly written document called the family a proclamation to the world about uh, gender identity 
sexual orientation and the importance of heteronormative relationships. Oh. So Mormon theology is very heterocentric mm-hmm. to achieve, and so I'm giving you this context because yeah. it informs kind of the trauma around coming out mm-hmm. and not fitting into the system doctrinally. So in order to attain like the highest level of exaltation in the LDS faith, you have to be married to a member of the opposite sex mm-hmm. and sealed in a temple. And so that immediately precludes your, you know, your ability yeah. to get to heaven if you don't want to do that or if it feels disingenuous or wrong to be in a relationship oh with someone God. of the opposite sex, right? So we say you have to be, to become like God, yeah. which is the goal, to achieve your greatest potential, you have to enter into a heteronormative relationship. How did it feel to grow up hearing that over and over? I mean, I was so far in denial Mm. as a little gay kid that I just knew that that was how things had to be. Okay. And every once in a while, there was this talk about people who had tendencies, quote, unquote, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm, And these mm -hmm. people with tendencies were not necessarily gay. They were like straight people who had like these gay tendencies. Right. And so that allowed me to be like, oh, well, I'm one of those people who happens to be experiencing some homosexual feelings. And it's something I can totally get through and navigate so that I can still achieve my greatest spiritual potential and be like my father in heaven. Yeah. So everything growing up, especially when I hit puberty and I started falling in love with men. Yeah. And I started like actually experiencing physiological arousal toward like male anatomy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The focus of my life was diminish all of those feelings to the extent that I could Mm. and overcompensate spiritually to make sure that I was always on track with God so I could survive spiritually. Wow. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. It was it was an obsession. And I became perfectionistic and made sure that I was excelling in everything. And especially spiritually, I just was like a zealot yeah. in a lot of ways. But I mean, like, I was a really good-hearted zealot. Of course. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Super kind and super loving and super, I mean engaged in what I felt like was the most important kind of connection between people. I loved people and also knew that there was this one track to to making it to heaven, essentially. And that just couldn't include anything gay. So with that information for context, Mm -hmm. how in the world did did you then decide as a 13 or 14 year old to, to decide to come out? Yeah, well, so I didn't actually come out at that age. That was when you started noticing? That's only when I started noticing. Okay, okay. You know, like, that super characteristic. <laughs> You're like, wait, something's Physiological happening. response, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, certain, certain, certain guy friends that I had who had matured more quickly and mm. had more stereotypically masculine features. Yeah. Like bigger muscles, broader shoulders, a little bit hairier. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. When you're like 
the hairless little 13 year old yeah. like wow you're so manly and then you have these weird feelings and you're like feeling guilty but also they feel really healthy and good and yeah so yeah 13 14 was when i started to feel that i was also doing everything within my power not to masturbate at all at all is that from the church there is guidance given that we shouldn't arouse sexual feelings in ourselves or others until we're married oh. in the Mormon faith. Yeah. Even in yourself. Oh, even in yourself. Yeah. Okay. Now, in terms of disciplinary action around masturbation, that kind of becomes unclear. Right. Some of your right. leaders will say, okay, this is how we're going to proceed. Some will use some kind of like church discipline, some won't. And that looks like taking away privileges or things like that. So that part's not unclear. It is clear that we weren't supposed to be masturbating. Wow. That's <laughs> yeah. so hard. <laughs> so hard. Yeah, because, you know, all of these new feelings are budding and I'm seeing changes in myself. Yeah. And so I was doing also everything within my power to avoid masturbation, especially because anything involved with masturbation or physical arousal also included men. Of course, yeah. Naturally, yeah. as a gay person, right? Of course. As a gay man. And so I was trying to save off any, like, arousal mm -hmm. and also trying to, like, avoid any of the feelings that were, like, centered around men. And there was one time I remember looking up something on the internet and feeling super guilty. I never saw anything because I... Um, didn't um, I didn't know about like safe searches? And I didn't right. know about right. you know <laughs> right. private browsers. Or, yes, yeah. exactly. All of the I don't know if those even existed back basic. then, like when we were that little. Right, <laughs> I have no idea. Either. I don't remember. All I know is I didn't use them. And didn't Same. Know them. Same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I felt so guilty, and I went. I went on a walk, and I was like, "Mom, I have to tell you something." Mm. We were walking down like the dark street in California. I remember it so clearly and just feeling so much shame and said like, I am feeling attraction to men and I don't know what to do about it. And I looked something up, but I didn't really see anything, but I kind of wanted to. And I actually don't even remember my mom's response very well. That's incredible that you shared that with her. Do you remember how old you are? I, yeah, I was, so I was like 13, 14, okay. the same age. Yeah. And also was sharing like, and I've been having like some feelings and sometimes like I've had, like I've touched myself or aroused that in myself and yeah. I'm so ashamed. And then like her, she, she doing the best that she could was like, well, why don't we talk to the bishop, you know, okay. and kind of figure that out. And so we went from there. I talked to the bishop. He happened to be pretty rigid okay. in terms of like, the church discipline. So I wasn't permitted to take the sacrament for like a month, which is kind of considered the path to repentance, ironically. What? Yeah. So, and, and I'm not trying to like be inconsiderate or unkind no, to people who no. still practice, you know, like all of my family members do. Yeah. You know? um, this is also stuff that like I have, Mormon friends but don't know the intricacies of the faith and so it's yeah. it's really interesting to hear because it provides such powerful context for reasons why people might not come out or might yes. might get into really dark places exactly especially as queer people as queer people mm -hmm. yeah, especially mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. and so 
I skipped the sacrament, which was just so shaming for me. Yeah. Because I'm just like this little kid. And I was probably in bed on my stomach, rubbing my penis against the mattress or something. Yeah. Which, like, by the way. Something super basic. Yes. And so many children discover that before they have any context for sex. The oh, more totally. that I'm talking to people, it's like, we didn't, we're just touching tingly parts, you know? Yeah, yes. It was so tingly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so tingly. <laughs> and so I felt that. And then I realized, you know, it's like, wow, well, you know. I mean, it's like basic classical conditioning or whatever yeah. it is. You like press a button and you get a particular feeling yeah. and then yeah. you're like, that feels great. Why would I not do that yeah. again? Yeah. So had some disciplinary action, which actually I think set the stage for just like the shame around sex. Yeah. Now it's important for me to say like not all church leaders in the Mormon faith will proceed in the same way with something around this, like I mentioned earlier. Okay. But this particular bishop did for me. And so then it was like, okay, I'm going to get clean <laughs> and just like not do anything wrong, not have any thoughts. And we didn't really talk about the same sex attraction part. Okay. Or the gay. Really? Part. So it was more about touching yourself. Yeah, it was more about touching myself. And he kind of, I do remember just glossing over it barely and him saying, you know, it's not uncommon for people to have these kind of feelings mm -hmm. and... It doesn't mean that you're gay or it doesn't mean anything in particular. Well, I do think he's right there. The more people I talk to, I've met so many men who privately share with me, not on the podcast, but like in <laughs> messages and emails, that yeah. there is curiosity around other men. But because stigma is, and they identify as straight, or at least heteroromantic. Yeah. But uh, I think the bishop's right on there. <laughs> yeah. And I wonder if he himself, he was a very gentle, <laughs> you know... Not that we can stereotype mm -hmm, certain mm -hmm, attributes mm -hmm. or characteristics, but I would not be surprised if he himself was speaking from experience. Yeah. Let's just say that. Yeah. <laughs> and so then it, there was kind of like this stretch of maybe five or six years where I was just like doing great. And I was excelling in school. I was no longer feeling super guilty about things, mostly because I was being perfect. <laughs> wow. And no pressure. I would, yeah, exactly. For a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> just... And um, mostly being successful about just kind of avoiding and boxing up any attraction to men mm -hmm. until high school. And yeah. then I started to fall in love with some of my closest friends. Mm -hmm. And I framed that love as being like really wholesome and a spiritual connection. Mm -hmm. But it was also confusing when I had like a raging boner. Totally, totally, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wow, we met before this life and I had like a, you know, uh -huh. raging heart on in my pants. <laughs> trying so hard to like be good still. And yeah. Make it, right? Like put it into a framework that could be safe for me and made me feel like I wasn't going to hell. Yeah. Also, whenever I would have something like these feelings come up, I would immediately like pray hard. I would set goals like, okay. The last time that happened, I saw, like, I distinctly remember there was this kid in high school walking up the stairs who had incredible calves. And I was like, oh, like that was super, super arousing and really turned me on. Yeah. And then thinking, wow, I can't look at calves anymore. Like, oh. stuff like that, you know, like, I had not looked at porn ever. Yeah. Wow. And almost never masturbated. I mean, there were a few times where I like, had slipped up. How did you um, feel when those slip ups happened? Oh, just like horrible. There's mm -hmm. so much shame. But 
there was less shame around the masturbation and those slip-ups than for the like the gay pieces okay. because those were the things that were just so 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 scary because yeah. they were tied to identity yeah while the masturbation was just like an action i messed up right tied to identity and also your eternal soul <laughs> yeah <laughs> just like no pressure no, no, exactly yes can i ask your friends and the people around you were most people that you experienced like good and trying to be perfect or were there other kids that were sort of like getting frisky with each other Do oh totally yeah there was a whole spectrum okay. there was someone i think that i was very much on the most extreme side of the spectrum of mm-hmm. just goodness goodness and <laughs> wholesomeness sure and then on the other side were kids who just, you know, were kind of like normal kids. Yeah. And they were doing things and they were having fun and they were getting whatever sexual experiences yeah. they wanted. And they would still go to church and stuff? Yeah. Now, that broke it, my brain when I was little. Like the hypocrisy of my fellow churchgoers. That's why I stopped going to church. Because okay. I was like, we can't go to church and listen to these rules. And then you were drinking and fucking on the weekend. Like, my brain exploded. And so I, I was like, well, I don't want to be a liar. So yes. I got to stop going to church. Yeah, which has so much integrity for you. I mean, <laughs> props to you. I still didn't lose my virginity till I was 19, not for <laughs> lack of trying, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. There was, the from, from what I knew, the kids my age who were slipping up and having sex <laughs> would go through the proper channels to correct that. Okay. And so... I could just be like, oh, they're just doing their thing and, you know, whatever. They're on their journey, I wouldn't mind. Yeah. Even though I was totally judgmental. And I was like, why can't boys keep their hands off of girls? It's so easy. (laughs) You know, you guys are all like spineless. You have no like willpower. (laughs) Like it's pretty easy. You guys are just a bunch of like. You guys can't see it, but he has his hand on his hip and looks very sassy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm totally condescending. I'm like, this is so easy. You guys are so dumb. (laughs) Ah, <laughs> yeah. uh, the shields of judgment. <laughs> totally. Exactly. Yeah. So, falling in love with dudes, making goals, being like, okay, I can't look at this or that thing. I can't engage with men in this and that way. But I still you know, want to connect with them. I'm feeding myself spiritually yeah. at every turn. And so, when you are a Mormon male, you are required to or expected to go on an LDS mission, mm-hmm. right? Where you go for two years and you preach the LDS gospel. You're an elder. You're an elder. Yeah. And so I had all of my life to look forward to being a missionary mm-hmm. and didn't have to worry about what was next, which was eternal marriage mm-hmm. to a woman. Right. And so there's a particular kind of a general cookie cutter sequence that not everyone goes through, but there's a general expectation. It's graduate high school. Maybe do a little bit of college or just go straight on your mission. Come home, start dating, um, and find a wife if you're a man. And so I didn't really have to worry about the whole gay piece of my journey until after my mission. So after high school, Mm -hmm. right, because Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. the mission was just this kind of suspended reality. where one step at a time. (laughs) Yeah, and I got to be... You know, I got to be with other men and I got to create intimate relationships with men. They weren't sexual, of course, but, or in my case, some elders, I guess, slip up, but. Sure. Right? Question. You might hate this question. Yeah. How do you feel about Book of Mormon? The musical. Uh, It is so funny. I I laughed harder than I've ever laughed in my life. I watched it in Salt Lake City. Yeah. Oh. And so, 
It was. What was that crowd like? Oh, roaring. Oh my god. It was gosh. out of control. Oh right? my gosh. Because like oh. the, the backstage is like down the street. What yeah. is it? Backstage, like the backdrop. Yeah. Of Salt yeah. Lake City. Yes. Yeah. No, it was totally. a song called Salt Lake City. So oh it was my just, god. <laughs> and I'm sure so many ex members of the Mormon faith were in there, right? Yeah. So, wow. but it's, it's so great. So you didn't have to worry about anything in the yes. suspended reality for a little bit. Yeah. And I would still have moments where I would like have feelings for another missionary or really connect really well mm-hmm. and want something more, or I'd have a wet dream or mm-hmm. like little things like that that yeah. were out of my control. I was going to say, you cannot control a wet dream. Yes. No, no, exactly. And so I did talk to my mission president about it. He was really reassuring. He was like, keep doing what you're doing. Like, don't beat yourself up too much and, you know, keep your promises to God and this all work out. And no so, pressure. No pressure. Yeah, yeah. And so I did. I did great. I loved my mission. I grew a lot. Where did you as go? As a human being. I went to Chile. Mm. Yeah, oh, gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So I loved it. Loved my experience. I came home and it was time to start dating girls. I went to what's called a singles ward, which is a church congregation of only single people. And it's where you go. That exists? Yes, it exists. And it's so that, you know, you have opportunity to date and find people and get married. Wow. And you can stay in the singles ward until you're a particular age, and then you go back to the family ward. Okay. So you can age out. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, what's the age? I can't remember. I feel I, like I would have aged out I already. Want to, I want to say it's 30. <laughs> but don't I just turned 30 in April. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I know. So it might be like 35. I don't know. Yeah, let's say it's 35. 35. I haven't aged yeah, up. You haven't aged up the singles ward. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I went to a singles ward and still super in the closet. And I wasn't going on any dates with girls. Started to... Okay, so pornography is also... Has a really, really heavy stigma in the mm-hmm. LDS faith. Mm-hmm. Which I'm like... I have a mixed feelings about porn. So do I. There's ethical porn and then there's a bunch 100%. of real bad porn. So yeah. like, again, yes, bishops maybe aren't wrong always. <laughs> you know, like they got some good wisdom. Totally. And I had seen people really close to me who had experience where they were like viewing porn without telling their spouse or without mm. disclosing that. And it created huge upsets in the relationship yeah. and a sense of like being cheated on. Yeah. When someone was actually... It's a trust violation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And so there was just a lack of transparency. And so I started to find myself getting closer and closer to getting into porn and looking mm. up stuff and I'd look up guys. And, mm-hmm. and I was like, I don't want to have the same experience as these close loved ones that I've seen. I think I have to face this. And then wow. the Mormon church came out with a website called gaysandmormons.com like it was like the lds website for gays and mormons or mormons and gays excuse me and so it was all about members of the church who experienced same-sex attraction and who were still members of the church okay this was like breakthrough yeah such a big deal i went on there and listened to a few stories and listened to guys talk about how they were best friends with girls went to school dances and never came out and were totally gay Mm. and identified as same-sex attracted and Mm -hmm. they used the acronym SSA Mm. instead of saying gay. Yeah. So we'll say, I experience SSA. Yeah. Or I struggle with SSA. Wow. Was the other common phrase. 
And some of these men would get into mixed orientation marriages and they would, you know, marry someone like a, a woman, yeah. a straight woman. Um, and some of them would just remain celibate and go on their own journey, right? And so I found my story there. And I was like, this is literally me. And on one hand, it was it was unbelievably validating. Right. Because I was like, this all fits somewhere. All this whole experience has a name and a place and, and a journey and a template. And I mean, when I say a template, like, right, it has a name. Yeah, <laughs> you're not, and you're me. not alone. Yeah. And... It was also horrifying because it had a name. Yeah. And so I just finally like looked myself in the mirror and I was like, okay, this is my experience. Like I'm, I don't know if I, I didn't say I'm gay right from the beginning. I said, you know, I'm homosexual or cause gay was too charged yeah. at the time still for yeah. me. Started telling, I, tell, I told my parents and I said, this isn't going away. I've been waiting for it to go away. Nothing's changing. I need to do something about it. I need to like incorporate this into my identity somehow. I can still be Mormon and still be gay. I can still be probably married to a woman and still be gay. Like that was my Whoa. goal. I was like, I will never leave my faith. And I just have to figure out where to put this and how to incorporate this. When it came time to tell them, what was, can you lay the setting for us? Yeah, it was in my living room. I sat them down on the couch and it was a pretty straightforward conversation like that saying okay. i know that we we talked about this a little bit in high school okay. i was attracted to guys how old were you i was 22 okay probably mm -hmm. 21 or two and said you know i'm attracted to men i thought this would go away it's not and i'm just figuring out what to do but i think i actually need to deal with this instead of just like avoiding it and so my dad expressed a great amount of love. My mom expressed a great amount of love. And that was kind of like all we knew what to do at that point. Yeah. Right. Especially because I was not coming out saying, hey, I'm going to live the quote unquote gay lifestyle right. piece right. to my tradition, my faith and my background and all of those things. I was saying I experienced this, mm -hmm. but I can still be part of the tribe. Wow. You know, right, which kind of like softened the blow totally. for all of us. Yeah. So. But still, holy cow. Yeah. And they were, I mean, they were like supportive and kind and not shaming about it in any way. Yeah. It was like reassuring. And then I went on this year journey of starting to really look at the nitty gritty of mm -hmm. like my faith and sexuality. And how did you do that? Was it like research, talking to people or just a lot of contemplation? Yeah, a lot of contemplation, a lot of journal writing, mm. mm -hmm. and a lot of just brave step after brave step of willing to say, I want that. Yeah. So it would be like, I want to be sexually close to men. I want to see men naked. I want to be, I want to have sex with men, you yeah. know? Like, yeah. just even saying those words, and I would tell myself, okay, it's, like, not a sin if it's something that I have a desire for as long as I don't do it. So mm. then I can be authentic, right, to myself while not engaging in those activities. And then I got to a point where I said, you know what? I don't want to feel like I'm pathologizing one part of myself. Right. And saying, I have SSA, right? I'm struggling right. with SSA. I want to say I'm gay because I want to be proud of, like, the whole package deal. I feel like that's good for my identity. 
And so I said, I'm going to start identifying as gay, mm-hmm. you know? And then that took a little bit for like my parents to get used to and for me to get used to. And because the word gay was always synonymous with people who were engaging yeah. in all things gay. <laughs> yeah. Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that the foundation to an awesome sex life is excellent mental and physical health. But if proper rest, exercise, and a healthy lifestyle aren't leading to the blood flow you'd like when and where you'd like it, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. And the process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no dealing with awkward physicians who aren't trained to talk about sex lives, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They always say first impressions are important, but what about lasting impressions? Lovers, I do believe that we can always make loving, lasting impressions by connecting and being present and chasing our pleasure and our partner's pleasure. And if your priority is making a deep, deep impression between two beautiful, enthusiastic thighs or cheeks in the name of partnered pleasure, I get it. I've worn a strap on now. I, too, love having a hard cock. Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER at checkout. You just pay $5 for shipping. That is BlueChew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Right. And so I found some other people who were kind of in the same space as me. One of my best friends, actually, from my mission, Mm -hmm. we came out to each other on our mission. We lived in the same house. Uh There were six elders who lived in the same apartment. And he and I would, like, stay up late and talked. And, like, one night we talked about, like, our experience in high school and being bullied and being made fun of. And, like, we were both like, well. I guess we both experienced this kind of same thing. Mm. And it was just like not explicitly said, but then it was like, okay, we both are experiencing same sex attraction Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as we put it. Wow. How did it feel to admit that to another person? And was that the first time other than talking to your mom, was that the first like non family member you'd talked about it with? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or besides the safe. Yeah. Because we were both committed to the same thing. Okay. Right. And it was like a worthy cause by church standards. Could you share where he is now in his journey? Yeah, we have actually really paralleled our journeys. Mm. It's been amazing because we like both came home and we were both like, I was a little bit more spiritually zealous than he was. And I think that he had progressed more in his acceptance and understanding of his sexuality and that it was Mm -hmm. a part of him Mm -hmm. than I did because I was more like, oh, this is like a thing I deal with in a little sickness or something. And he was like less in denial. Mm -hmm. And so we both got back from our missions And I was home like a little bit longer than he was just enough time for me to come out. And then he came out when he got home and we were talking to each other and it was just like the same thing of like, okay, how do we deal with this with our parents? How do we deal with this with our faith? How do we try and like disentangle these things? Yeah. And or not. Right. Or stay true to the faith. And 
every step along the way, we were both kind of like, we started to date around the same time. We started to have sexual experiences around the same time. And he has been and continues to be like just a fundamental piece of like my journey and, um, you know, someone who's just like been there from the beginning. That's awesome. And like as an actual missionary in Chile with me. Amazing. Yeah. 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 It was such a gift. And that whole year I went from saying, okay, I'm going to marry a woman be faithful in the church, mm-hmm. da, 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 to, to kind of saying, you know what, this just doesn't fit. I have never felt more authentic. I've never felt more good as a person, more productive, more like healthy. Did I ever say that? Like just as a human being and everything that I know about God and everything that I was taught about God says that that's how I know something's good. Yes. I, right? I believe the same thing. By, yes. I was taught by their fruits, ye shall know them. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, how can this possibly be wrong when all indicators say that this is good and of God? Yeah. And so I started experimenting and I would just like, I would go out and when I say experimenting, I mean like teeny steps. I went on a date for the first time and I'd go back to church and be like, okay, do I sense like any loss of light? Do I feel more dark? Do I feel evil? Do I feel like I've lost my way? And then I would like continue to meet more men i would continue to embrace my sexuality and my identity and it was like the light came back on and i just could not pretend that my spiritual experience was not leading me to my best self on this like path of having sexual relationships or romantic relationships at the time with men were you in salt lake city at this time Mm -hmm. how did you go on dates there like were you was there nervousness around public anything yeah oh yeah yeah there was i was out enough at the time that i was like okay. ready to confront okay any visibility okay um but it was like tinder essentially wow got on tinder and just like swipe i was actually with again this best friend when i like got tinder for the first time and started matching with guys and i was like oh my gosh someone swiped back like <laughs> someone also swiped like, yeah. and getting the hey handsome. And well, I, I was going to say, can I ask you a question about your looks? You are so, you guys can't see them unless you're watching us on YouTube. Carson is very handsome. You're very kind. Were you objectified a lot? Or how does, like, what are your, what's your relationship to your looks? Oh, man. Do you mean now or then? Both. And, like, in the context of, like, being a sexual being, too. Oh, gosh. Because okay. that's, like, a huge Thing. Yeah, so I'm very handsome. <laughs> so that first year, and the reason I say that year is yeah. because I broke my neck at the end of that year. Oh fuck! I came yeah. out and broke my neck in the same year. Holy fuck! The big reveal. <laughs> what a big year! Oh my gosh, my entire identity in life was flipped upside down. Yeah, and I stopped. I had to kind of like put my gay journey on ice in order to recover and survive yeah. as a freshly paralyzed man uh-huh. so I'm going to answer your question so at the end of that first year I was dating someone and I was starting to get a feel for because I never identified as someone who was like like I never felt like I was good looking I never felt like people were interested in me sexually mm-hmm. growing up and then at the end of that first year I was starting to see some of like the interest or even just having someone swipe right as well on tinder was like unbelievable to me Mm. i was like oh my gosh like this handsome man also thinks i'm handsome right (laughs) 
I cannot believe this is real because yeah. I just never experienced that kind of validation growing up. I was yeah. never around other gay men. Yeah, of course. And so I just, or if you were, it was very like... Yeah, exactly. Of course I was around other gay men, but yeah. it was just like never... <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. So I was starting to feel like I was interesting. I was starting to feel that sense of, wow, like maybe I am like a viable romantic partner that others would be interested in. And that is right when I got my spinal cord injury. Whoa. Right when I broke my neck. Holy fuck. I just like halted everything. Because I was 6'5", I was putting on a lot of muscle, I was working out harder, I, because suddenly I was like in the dating game and yeah. I was like, you know what, I, for me, this is how I want to look. I was always an athlete, I was a swimmer. Yep. And so I was really like enjoying my physical self. Yeah. And then I went from 6'5", and running every everywhere I went in college and swimming and competing even uh, to like sitting at five one in a wheelchair in a hospital the next Whoa. day yeah um and then just like losing all of like my gains and also thinking like how do i live my life from a wheelchair yeah what just happened yeah and that was like the next chapter beginning so how did you <laughs> how do you so I broke up with my boyfriend in the hospital because I just couldn't do all of the things. That's a lot of it things. It was just so much, yeah. And he yeah. was the best and is the best. We're still Good. very, very close friends and I love him with my whole heart. He's the best, obviously. Like his broke, his boyfriend broke his neck. So he had a process too. And so we ended it while I was in the hospital and I just focused on mostly just recovery. Mm -hmm. I couldn't even think a lot about as much about the gay piece. Mm -hmm. And so I just focused on my physical therapy. I did extra physical therapy. Like I broke records in the hospital because I was like that same kind of perfectionist kid that was like, wait, mm -hmm. what do I have to do to be a miracle? Right. Like, what do I have to do? So, cause I was still very uh, faith driven yeah. in the traditional sense during that time. Mm -hmm. And so I was praying for a miracle. Mm. I actually had a visit from an apostle. There are only 12 apostles in the entire LDS church mm -hmm. and they are in charge of, you know, ministering to the, the whole world and all these countries. And one of the apostles found out that I was paralyzed in the hospital and he came to visit me. Well, yeah. And he gave me a priesthood blessing, which is like where you invoke the power of God. Mm -hmm. And this was like, I knew this was my ticket into a miracle because like, I was like, if anyone can do this, you know, we believe that an apostle has the same power as like Peter, yeah, for example, yep. right. Who like his shadow healed people, right. Yeah. In the scriptures. And so I was like, okay, I like, this is it. I can, I, you know, and so we get in the room. And he like gives me this blessing and it's beautiful. And he encourages me to listen to like my, by the way, this is going to be relevant. I promised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> he says, you know, like follow the counsel of your therapist, your physical therapist, like follow God's plan, do all of these things. And if you do like a full recovery is possible for you. And so I held on to those words for dear life. Yeah. Because I was 23. Yeah. And right, like what's at stake here is my able-bodiedness. Mm -hmm. I was a, I was a flute player. 
I was like headed towards being a professional musician. That was like kind of my dream at the time. Whoa. And my hands were paralyzed enough that I couldn't play anymore. I could no longer swim. I could no longer run. I could no longer do. I couldn't play the piano. Um, I haven't talked about this for a second. Mm-hmm. But I lost everything that I had used to feel valuable. Yeah. And feel worthwhile and feel um, productive in life. Like a person. Like yeah. your personhood was yes. just like, not mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. If you write down a list of all the things that you say you are and you say, you know, who is Carson Tuller? Yeah. I would have said all of these things that I did and those things were no longer available to me and I was so lost. Wow. Yeah. And that was like what was hanging in the balance here. And so... I kind of buckled down again spiritually, but I knew that I couldn't deny all of the goodness and the beauty that came from the gayness. Mm -hmm. Like I could not lie to myself and go back to being like, you know what? I'm just going to remain celibate and Mm -hmm. I'm going to like, it was such a lie to myself that I was, it was like, I would rather remain paralyzed the rest of my life and be true to who I love and how I interact with human beings than have it the other way if yeah. I had to make a choice. Right. But deep down, I was like, no, I know that this is the right path for me. I know this is God's path for me. Mm-hmm. So I should get the best of both worlds, right? Yeah. I should get to have like this authentic relationship and be healed. Yeah. And so over the course of that year, my faith really unraveled because with a spinal cord injury, the trajectory of your recovery really is set in the first few months and then kind of in that first year. Oh, wow. Basically, what you start to get back that first year is kind of the trend you'll see for the rest of your life. And so every day that passed that I didn't recover, that I watched someone in the hospital bed next to me start moving parts and having feeling in their toes or their legs or whatever, I knew it was less and less likely that I would ever Mm -hmm. feel my body again, ever walk again, ever have what I had. And I just thought, you know, if this isn't happening and I'm doing everything exactly the way I'm supposed to, how can any of that be true? And I also just didn't, I didn't have the bandwidth during all of my grieving to also find nuance in my faith to be Mm -hmm. like, okay, you know, because at this point, I do know, I I know that there are a lot of LDS members of the church who have a very nuanced belief system. Yep. Yep. And who can hold like these seemingly contradictory pieces and parts and right? Which I find incredible. Yeah. And me I too. really respect. Me too. Yeah. Absolutely. And and I think that I, I mean I'm happy for people who can and who love to maintain their faith inside mm-hmm. of all of that. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't have the bandwidth to do it. I really had to just be like, you know what, like I don't know who God is anymore. Yeah. I don't know what I believe anymore. I don't know what's right and wrong. Part of like Mormon faith is believing there's a resurrection where you get your body back exactly the way it was created mm-hmm. to be. And so that was also a huge like grieving point, which was like the only hope I had for recovery and like this life after death where I could walk again is now. I mean, I don't know if it's true. Right. And so what if this is my new life? Yeah. And I'm in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. Yeah. And paralyzed, and this is just my luck. And I'll die this way and it'll be over. And I, you know, grieved that deeply. And so, like, my faith diminished there. And the reason I said this was all relevant is because, like, 
the change in my faith is what led me to be able to start exploring sexually mm-hmm. as a paralyzed mm-hmm. man mm-hmm. in a totally new body with like men for the first time. I never had sex as an able-bodied person. Wow. Mm-hmm. Did you ever make out with your boyfriend? Your first boyfriend? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's as far as we got. Okay. <laughs> we made out. Wow. Right? Wow. And I'm like pissed because I, I can make out now. Right. <laughs> like, oh, oh my yeah. God. How will you speak a little bit about what that feels like and as much as you're comfortable to the making out um, or the your body, body right now? Yeah. Okay. And exploring. Yeah, exploring. Yeah. So people with spinal cord injuries have experienced a neuroplasticity mm-hmm. where you have a change in your erogenous zones. Mm-hmm. So I lack sensation personally, mm-hmm. right? Like here. Okay, so top we're pointing to sternum, top chest area. Okay. Yep, yep. I have no sensation below this. Okay. I also lack sensation in half of my arms. So like the bottom half. The bottom half, like the kind of like the soft non top part. Okay. Right. So I tell people like if I was like sitting in a hole with my arms out on the surface, everything you see I can feel. Wow. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's a great description. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so everything that's I can feel that. And that has become super sensitive. Mm. So as I started experimenting with guys, like I had heard, okay, your ears are going to be sensitive. Your neck's going to be sensitive. Some people's collarbones are sensitive. I realized that making out was like a whole new experience. And it was so much heightened sensation. And um, yeah, I just like started there and kind of started exploring after that. Could you share with us what some of the conversations with your partners were like around that exploration? Gosh, yeah. yeah. And if you have any advice for listeners who don't have experience or haven't done the research yet, like what, what's the best way to communicate? I mean, yeah. it's, it's very personal, of course, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So maybe just share some yeah, of your experiences. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, so I started kind of by like dipping my toe in the water on like Grindr or mm-hmm. on Tinder. Mm-hmm. And so I would eventually be like, okay, so I'm in a wheelchair. And, you know, they would ask some questions. They'd be like, so can you get it up? Mm-hmm. Can you have sex? Can How you do you do feel about that question? I mean, in a sexual context, it's like totally fair. I, I feel like it's fair. <laughs> but like, if you, if we have like a pretty normal conversation and you're like, hey, that's your sexual function. In the world? Yeah. People just do that? It's happened with gay men. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think that when it's asked really early in the conversation on social media. Yeah. So it's like there would be like a little bit of a flirty vibe. Yeah. But the question would come a little too early. Yeah. Is what I'll say yep. for sure. Yep. Yep. You okay. know, and like when we weren't even having a conversation about right. sex or a hookup or whatever, um, they were already saying like, well, can you get it up? Can you, ha- can you still have sex? Okay. You know, and then I would have to like, be like yes. And a whole explanation of how things work, which I'm happy to share. Are you happy to? Great. I I would love to hear it. And I think people would benefit from hearing it. Okay, great. Yeah. So, okay. So I don't have sensation basically below my chest. I have spotty sensation through my right side, actually. Hmm. A little bit of sensation in my toes. And actually, you know, through my kind of like rectal area, anus area, I still have actually quite a bit of sensation that I didn't know I had Mm. initially. Cool. 
Yeah, yeah. And that's not super uncommon because actually the anus is like the last thing on the spinal cord. Okay. And so they use it as like, and it, there's also like a lot of nerves around there, I mm-hmm. guess, like mm-hmm. nerve endings. And so they use it to test whether or not someone has sensation through the whole spinal cord. Okay. If you have sensation in your anus, then there's something getting through the entire cord. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Lovers, we are going to take a quick pause for a word from our sponsor. And they have given me notes to do a sultry female voice. So I'm very excited and I'm going to do my best. Did you know the Flora app is a safe place to open up, embrace your desires, and find like-minded people? This is the story of one couple who found the threesome of their dreams, discovered a new level of shared passion, and stepped into a whole other realm of possibilities, all thanks to Flora. As life's routines settled in, Robert and Lucy found themselves yearning to explore uncharted territories. So they downloaded Floor and embarked upon a thrilling journey of sensual experimentation, learning more about each other's desires in the process. Open-minded and adventurous, Robert and Lucy dreamt of adding a new dimension to their intimacy, sharing the touch of another woman, being witnessed and connecting in a way that transcends the ordinary. In Floor's diverse and accepting community, Lucy connected with Emily, a babe craving the same experiences. So they invited Robert to the conversation. The chemistry built and anticipation heightened as they exchanged messages until finally their agreed-upon date night arrived. A gorgeous hotel was the setting for their evening of pleasure, passion, and connection. A shared exploration that fulfilled each party's desires. Floor app celebrates the beauty of open-minded connections. It's a platform where fantasies come to life and desires are embraced without judgment. For couples seeking adventure with others or individuals keen on exploring, Fleur invites us all to a world where every desire is a possibility waiting to unfold. Download Fleur now, express your desires freely, and find like-minded people today. So, I can have an erection. I'll talk about erectile function first. Okay. (laughs) So, with a spinal cord injury, there are two different, well, for everyone, there's two different kinds of erections, but most men don't know that there are two different kinds because it all looks like one kind. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. And there's psychogenic arousal and there is like just manual arousal. Mm-hmm. So psychogenic is like you're stimulated psychologically, like you're thinking of something or you're looking at something or right. Even mm-hmm. if like you're sitting next to someone and you're cuddling and there's that warmth and yeah. right. You get an erection. All of that is, there's a nerve for that and it's mm-hmm. paralyzed on me. So it okay. no longer works. Okay. That being said, so I don't experience any physiological arousal when I look at porn. Okay. So it's essentially useless. <laughs> and that's a different conversation because it's a weird experience to be like, I know that's hot and attractive and great and everything I like. And it's just like not hitting. Does it turn you on emotionally, like in your feelings? No. Okay. Only if there's like some kind of like romantic storyline. I just have yeah. stopped watching yeah. altogether, or even looking at it because I, I'm like, eh, this yeah. is like lame. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like being able to like see food and be hungry for food and you can smell food, but then you eat and you can't taste it and it never makes you fall. I'm probably going to make a reference that people are going to roll their eyes at, but if you watch <laughs> the first Pirates of the Caribbean, uh-huh. Jeffrey Rush has this whole thing. I feel nothing, not the wind on my face, yeah. not the touch of a woman's hand. Like that's it. That's what it reminds me of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like you know that there's a certain something available, but it just yeah. never hits. So with that being said, I do experience manual erectile function. So okay. with manual stimulation, like touching or pulling, right, I can get a boner. Is that fun for you? 
Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Like, like it works and it's functional. Right? Okay. And so that works, and it's also like you know during a intimate moment, like I know that I can instruct people to do that, mm-hmm. and then I, yeah, and that it works that way, and yeah. I also let them know then the way I'm telling you right now, I'm like I'm not going to be having an erection while we're making out and you should not take that as any sign of my participation or interest in this experience Yeah, because I'm with other men, right? Other gay men. Yeah. And they're used to seeing a boner or like an erection as the sign of, okay, we're going, this is going well. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I said, you're not going to have that for me. There also are studies in come as you are. They talk about, non-concordance sexual non-concordance and like you can be aroused in your brain and it's much more common in women to have the emotional arousal without the physical arousal yeah but there is a small percentage of able-bodied men like you know Mm -hmm. people that are fully in all their parts what's the correct way for me to say this yeah able-bodied okay or non-disabled people okay um in the study it was such a tiny percentage but there are a few of them out there just Got just it. a fun fact That's... go read come as you are by emily nagoski it's my favorite <laughs> i love that perfect yeah yeah and so it's just me communicating yeah. and saying this is what you can expect it's not an indication and then i would also tell them you know and this is during like my experimenting phase where i would have mm-hmm. like hookups or like anonymous hookups even like oh. I, I got very brave and i was like you that know is what? very brave like I am not going to let my spinal... I had some angry moments where I was like, I'm not going to let my spinal cord injury keep me from getting out there and being sexually active and having these experiences. And I'm going to let people take me or leave me as I am. And so... Wow. (laughs) Because I will say, I am just now starting to do that. Just at all. Like, I just started online dating. And I find it terrifying. Yeah. Just at all. Yes. It was so terrifying. Yeah. And I was so embarrassed about the chair for a long time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I would have to have conversations with people about like who's hosting. And I'd have to be like, oh. if you have stairs, you got to piggyback me up. Are you okay with that? Like <laughs> a stranger. Right? Wow. Now, I will, I will say that I didn't almost ever have like fully anonymous hookups where I was like totally vulnerable. Generally people that I knew because like not having... Any physical yeah, function makes me particularly vulnerable. Totally. Right? Yeah, you have to be exactly. regular. So, yeah, and I was. I was. Safety plug. If you are going to meet a stranger that you've met on a dating app, please, please, please text a friend, text three friends the address where you're going mm-hmm. and when they can expect to hear from you. And just try to do the shout outs. That's perfect. No, it's so perfect. And most of these were like actually like make out hookups because those were really satisfying for me and I didn't feel like I needed to go farther. Mm-hmm. And so most of my experimenting was like social experimenting. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, how are people going to react to me now? Yeah. Are, are people going to be super turned off by this? By like, so like at the time I've done, I have a device now that makes my legs, like I can exercise my legs now. Whoa. It's not voluntary. It's like electrical stimulation. Yeah. So yeah. I don't do anything. Yeah. But I have muscle mass in my legs. At the time I had really skinny, small bony legs mm-hmm. and a really bony butt. Yeah. And I was like, is this going to be a problem for people? Like I hear gay men talk about big 
butts all the time. Like, mm. am I not gonna do that? What do they say about big butts? I mean, you know, like I don't know this a big butt, like like having a big like a fat ass is <laughs> big muscle ass. I guess is like the stereotype. For, okay, okay. You know, like a, a good bottom or something. Yeah, Tony I mean, hasn't talked much with butts about me explicitly. He's my best. Like, okay, okay. I just always like to know the details. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, again. Like, these are some stereotypes and also yeah. they're not necessarily it's anecdotal. healthy, yeah. <laughs> right? To say this is what a good bottom does or looks like. But just collecting the facts so we can get the full exactly. range. Yeah, yeah. And so I've heard, like, people say, like, wow, he's got amazing Yeah. I'm like, well, if I'm bottoming, I don't know how this looks or yeah. feels or is, right? And I hadn't even got there at that point. Right. I was just mostly making out and kind of doing some other stuff, but. Yeah, so I started to see that it didn't deter people Mm -hmm. as much as I thought it would. Mm -hmm. And I just had to be very thoughtful about accessibility. Mm -hmm. I also shared, and I'm like, sorry, I'm kind of all over the place. This is, no, this is great. I'll go back to my physiological explanation because when it came to ejaculation, I don't experience ejaculation anymore in the same way. If I have a vibrator, and it can just be like a a vibrator that a woman uses, Mm -hmm. if I just like put that on my penis, Mm I can ejaculate, hmm. like, very reliably. Cool. And it's mostly for fun. So, yeah. and, and when I say for fun, it's like, I don't experience the same physiological sensation right. of orgasm along with an ejaculation anymore. It's okay. pretty, like, clinical. Okay. I have, like, my blood pressure goes up. I kind of get flushed. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it feels, like, generally good, mm-hmm. but it's not an orgasm. Okay. So I would tell them that. Okay. And then I would tell them, I'm going to climax via my neck and my ears, most mm-hmm. likely. And so, just so you know, that's where, like, the goods are and where things need to happen. You are the first male-bodied person who has shared with me orgasms via neck and ear stories. Perfect. That's not really stupid, but, like, yeah. Yeah. Because I've heard many stories of female-bodied people who can climax from this region. Yes. And you were the first male-bodied person yeah. to share that. Okay. I will tell you that when I hear about female-bodied individuals talk about orgasm, mm-hmm. it sounds so much like what I experience now. Like, so, so, so similar. I don't know if it is, but yeah. it we We can't know. We, right. we will never actually know, like, in the same way that I will never know what it's like for another female-bodied person to actually have an orgasm. Or, like, are we saying, like, that's green? Is it really green? Do we see the totally. same green? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, totally. So what I've realized about my sexual function is, and I would kind of tell them this to varying degrees depending on their, like, receptivity mm-hmm. and whether or not I felt like I really needed to. Yeah. Because some people were a lot more intuitive and some people were really willing to, like, totally explore non-unconventional ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so I'll experience, like, arousal through, like, touching or mm-hmm. kissing or nuzzling or mm-hmm. anything around my neck and then it all gets so, so, so much more intense around my ears. Mm-hmm. And it's like a slow climb. Okay. It's a pretty slow build. And having had normal orgasms before, it's just not quite the same. Okay. As when I would like ejaculate. Is it possible? I ask people this question a lot. It may not be possible. Is it possible to articulate the actual bodily feeling? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It feels like there's like sunshine in my veins. (gasps) (laughs) Wow. Okay, so it's like, but it will like be varying degrees. So at first, like, I'll start to feel it actually in like my legs, which the only thing I feel in my legs, like 90% of the time is is pain. I have like nerve pain from my spinal cord injury. 
Like just on the regular, like right now. Yeah, yeah. Yes, right now. So it's Fuck. just like uh, like it's like a four out of ten of just like this constant kind of like little burn simmering needles in the needles feeling. Okay. Yeah, and I've just like learned that that's gonna be a part of my life, and it doesn't okay. distract me enough that I don't. You know what I mean? I can like live my life around. I it. personally don't. <laughs> and holy fuck! Wow. Yeah. And I hear you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so and that's why feeling in my legs something mm-hmm. different is just mm-hmm. like the best. Yeah. So. Yeah, replace it with sunshine, <laughs> or just add some sunshine. <laughs> yeah, so it will be like gradual, and it'll start being like more intense. Yeah. And more intense, and more intense, and it can get. It'll get to a point where it's kind of like the way I would explain it is like it's it's so close to this like line of it's like euphoria and the sense of like unbearableness mm-hmm. that's almost it's not painful but it's like i sometimes like involuntarily like recoil or pull mm-hmm. away when mm-hmm. it gets too sensitive mm-hmm. or i'm like i need like 10 seconds and then i, I have, can go back yeah, yeah yeah but eventually it'll get to a place where like my whole body is just kind of like feels like it's glowing wow. yeah and the best thing about my spinal cord injury is that I can hold on to that kind of climax for as long as I can bear it. It will not peak ever. And so... Okay, the uh, question everyone's going to want to know is like, what's the longest? Have you ever timed it? I've never, That's I've a never boring timed question, but that is amazing. The, the, line, the, the line of when I reach it is kind of blurred a little sure. bit, right? Sure, good point. Oh my um, gosh. But I can like stay there for like 15 minutes and just like sit do, there. With the stimulation? Like yeah, do, and you're communicating with the partner? Totally. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. do you communicate about that? Like do you say keep going or are you? Yeah, I'll okay. say keep going or I'll say I need you to take your hand or your mm-hmm. finger, like fingernails mm-hmm. and just like put it right here. Mm-hmm. Like on my head. Okay. Cool. Like just add some stimulation. That's or sometimes amazing. like I need like a little bit of something like more like uh, abrasive, yeah. like beard or yeah. a little bit of, uh, something happens to my scalp. So like I'll, I'll be getting, okay, so for the record, like I currently have a boyfriend mm-hmm. and we're in a monogamous close relationship. Mm-hmm. And so the only time I'm experiencing this is with him. Yeah. And he is so proficient she and sounds awesome. perfect <laughs> at all of this more than I've ever experienced in my whole life, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like perfect. And yeah. so... I feel very, very fortunate. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we've also learned together, right? But so cool. what I do need as like we get closer and closer is like having the fingernails like go up my scalp yeah. while I'm getting my ears stimulated or worked on or whatever is what will like take it to the, the top. And then we'll just like stay there for as long as I can. And it sounds stupid, but like sometimes... I like get this sudden urge to like cry. Yes, no. Very, very often. That makes total sense to me okay, because yeah. it's a it's a physical release and you're also doing so much building. And I just have to say this level of specific communication is something that it's the reason this podcast exists because yeah. I my entire life I'm sort of like okay, I don't have the language tools. I'm still becoming more mindful about what's actually happening in my physical body mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. trying to put that into words that I can understand for myself sure. and then trying to actually say them out loud to another person mm-hmm. in the moment is something I still struggle with Yes, in a huge way. Yeah. 
And I realized early on that if I was going to enjoy my experience with sexuality, that I had to be very directive. How did you learn how to be very directive? Or did you just I do just it? I just knew because okay. I wasn't getting okay. any pleasure. Yeah. You know, so like I would, I just had more interest in me as a top, mm-hmm. I would say, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so I would, I don't have sensation. I don't have a lot. Of, I've discovered more sensation through my penis, mm-hmm. through like, yeah, that whole area, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, but at the time, not so much. Okay. And so, like, we would have sex, and he would, I would top, and then we'd be done, and I was like, ah, I didn't really feel a ton, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I need to start saying, like, hey, I would like for this to be, like, a mutually enjoyable experience, and for me, that means that I need some time on my neck and ears. Yeah. And I know that's probably atypical and not going to make sense, but, like, we can totally enjoy the traditional kind of sex. And I need this added because yeah. I really want to leave feeling fulfilled. Good for you. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I also just want everyone in the world to be able to say that and to be able to like communicate it with partners and yes. then the how, because I think there are many of us that can't or don't, or I know mm-hmm. I still experience shame. And particularly since having this podcast, I, you know, I broke up with a partner of two years mm-hmm. in June for good. Mm-hmm. And, and that was such a huge experience for me in in terms of like growth and learning about myself and being able to communicate explicitly and it's opened up so much for me yeah and so as i started dating again i have i'm wrapped up in shame every time i can't communicate something or don't or i'm not able to figure it out and so then so that is so deeply inspiring to me yeah yeah no i'm so glad and i have a belief about disability in sex Mm -hmm. and it is that disability and understanding and learning about like disabled sex mm-hmm. is so informative to able-bodied sex because things don't always work in this stereotypical way. Yes. You can't, you know, say A plus B equals C anymore. No. And so I learned that I had to come into this saying, this is how things generally work for me. I don't know if it's going to be the same every time, Yeah. but are you comfortable with me vocalizing to you what works and doesn't work? I would just like bring that from the very beginning. That is amazing. That is such a good script to practice too. And then I don't even have to worry about it in the zone because I've already said, hey, is it okay? Can we like communicate through this? Yeah. And if a person wanted like a get in, get off, get out experience, then I'm not the one to have that with. No. Nor do I want that. I also think those are boring in general. They're so boring. I think it's so boring. Yeah. And I want more. Yeah. Because we can have physical pleasure, but it's like, it's, even if you never see that person again, I believe it's more interesting when you're actually like connected to the person being like this thing, this thing, this thing, what about that? And then you're exploring and discovering. And I also, my experience with men and I'm making a generalization, but my experience is they don't touch me enough. Like Mm -hmm. I, I have a large capacity to be touched, but it's like. Not even just in private parts, like just in general. And I think that's such a missed opportunity because I think humans love skin-to-skin contact Mm -hmm. in general. Mm -hmm. So I am on board with this mission. Yeah. Me and my current boyfriend have a rule that is you get to ask for anything you want. You can Mm. make any request. And then it falls on the other person to um, meet the request or not. And nothing is taken personally. That's beautiful. But you get to ask for anything you want. And I just always take them up. I'm like, will you just lay on top of me? I love Or like, will will you just touch me in this or that way? Or will you put your leg between mine? Or will you, like, 
exactly explicitly what I need or want. That's amazing. Yeah. I, something I discovered recently about myself is, so I identify as submissive, kinky. I also mm-hmm. enjoy vanilla sex. Like, I love mm-hmm. touches of all kinds. Yes. Um, by most people, if it's consensual. But that includes, like, if a stranger on the street is like, can I pet your head? I'm like, please. <laughs> I you know? am the same way. And, that's, and so it's like, totally. like don't, don't cross my back. Like, ask. Yes. But then I'm probably going to say yes because I love being touched. Yes. And so I have a problem asking for what I want because what gets stuck in my brain, I start to loop on they're only doing this because I ask. They don't enjoy this. Oh, my God. And then yeah. I devolve into an anxiety spiral, mm-hmm. which then, like, as I'm devolving into that anxiety spiral, I feel shame about it. So it's like totally. these meta judgments. Yeah, yeah. But that's such a good, clear frame that, to me, sounds full of joy and exploration and, like, mutual connection. Yes. And fun. It's playful. Like, it's yes. play- to yes. lay on your partner sounds so fun. <laughs> it's just like, I need all the body weight, please. Yeah. I, yeah, no, no, it's exactly what you said. And at first, I wanted my partner and even like my current boyfriend to just like be this quote unquote perfect match mm. like what he wants is what i want and what, oh my god i'm that person too works like, can we be exactly the same yes. or compatible perfect yes yes, yes, yes yes so like i love nipples mm. <laughs> i have i i do i love them i love playing with them like in terms of like intimately yeah. and that whole thing and i've yeah. learned that if they're not into it and it doesn't come naturally that it's okay for me to still ask for it. Yeah. And I have decided to frame it as like a greater expression of connection and or love, depending on the situation, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When someone is willing to meet a request yeah. because you asked for it. Yeah. And so I have decided that that is incredibly meaningful rather than yes. thinking, oh, they, if, if they don't do it naturally, then it's disingenuous. That is such a good point and rings so true for me based on my own personal experience because I think about everything I explored with my ex-master. It was all very brand new to me. Mm-hmm. And listeners have heard me talk about anal sex a lot for myself. It took me nine months to get to an ascasm. And so it was just this thing where I was like, oh, no, nothing. But I was so deeply aroused because he was aroused and so it was this responsive desire that grew into my own preference now that Mm -hmm. i can take yeah 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 yeah, like the the flexible nature of our sexual beings is Mm -hmm. and the discovery of that i think is glorious no it's exactly right and there are other things that i'm willing to do or participate in that aren't generally the thing that i think is the sexiest Mm -hmm. and so you know like like a massage Mm -hmm could be considered more like cuddly less sexy but you know sometimes that's the request yeah and so it's like that doesn't land for me in the same way and if it lands for you that way i'm totally in this to to take you where you need to be like you know like sexually in in terms of like pleasure right if in a hypothetical situation we were to collaborate my day job is a photographer i'm a photographer by by day if we were to collaborate on a persons with disabilities sexy calendar mm-hmm. would you want to be in it what month would you want to be and uh, what organization would you want proceeds to go to oh wow oh my gosh. 
<laughs> not not necessarily fully nude, just like sensual, like very, you know. Yeah, no, perfect. Because that's on my bucket list. <laughs> Is it? Yes. Let's do it. Anybody who follows my Instagram knows that I have this kind of openness about my body. Yeah. And I have some things that are semi-nude on there. Yes, it's much easier for men to be shirtless. <laughs> yes. Yes, totally. And I'm sure I just have to on my hips. Oh, yeah. Part of that. Um, but yeah, definitely. I have a lot of shirtlessness on there. <laughs> or like in my stories, I, I have some stuff in underwear. Because I value that. And I yeah. really value elevating the sexual experience of people with disabilities. Yes. Like the conversation around disability and sex is that like disabled people don't have sex. Or that they don't have sex in the same way. Or it's not as, you know, meaningful. Yeah. And I had to combat that. And so I'm so interested in being a part of that conversation. It's why I wanted to be on this podcast. Yeah. It's why I will absolutely do a photo shoot. What month you would you want to be? In sept- for September. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. Yeah. I think September would be great. And maybe the Christopher Reeve Foundation mm-hmm. for spinal cord injury great. would be a great place for the proceeds to go. And I want to change the conversation around um, disability that we're having nationally, at least, yes. or globally. And yeah. I had so many moments when I was exploring mm-hmm. and when I had to communicate and when someone had to be vulnerable with me and not just do the A plus B equals C right. version, right? But I had to do like Q plus K equals Y or something. Yes. <laughs> and it was such a new experience for them. I had so many people tell me that it was the most fulfilling or the most or the sexiest. And I'm not... I'm, trying to brag or anything no, no, but no. like the feedback was this was one of the best sexual experiences i've had wow um and i attribute that to the way that we were forced to communicate yes. if i was going to participate it sounds if i'm hearing correctly it sounds like it has to include vulnerability on to. both sides it has to yeah. yeah and i get that that's not always safe for some people because they that. just yeah. want to have something that's predictable. They don't want to connect emotionally, and that's fine. Yeah. But for me, you know, it required me getting vulnerable, and it also required them saying, like this, yeah. like this, does that yeah. work? Is that right? Uh, what else? You know? Yeah. And, and I'd say, okay, and do more direction. And then like, oh, yes, that's perfect. Okay, just like stay there. Or, Did you ever have partners get upset when you were redirecting, or was it pretty open and clear? No. Okay. Yeah, it was always, but I, again, I almost always set the stage so that yeah. there was never Beautiful. a surprise moment. I was just like, I'm going to need to probably direct you so because it's not always predictable for me. Yeah. Like what happened last time might not happen this time. But that's how it is with all sex. Yeah, I think Do you're you know right. I mean? Yeah, it, it, it is totally unpredictable. I know that I'm in the habit of uh, like feeling shame when I'm not the normal thing. And so I don't yeah. always communicate about it. And so that is literally what I'm trying to change because yeah. I do believe we will all have better lives and live in a better world if we are sexually fulfilled. Yes. I, I genuinely believe that. Yes, me if too. We can, if me we too. can un- unlock a... the shame. Yeah, it's a spiritual part of my journey for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think that what I want people to know based off my experience, right? If I could like shake it, like the world would be like, listen to me about sex. <laughs> yeah. Yes, but, like, please. What go. I want to say is, is that um, sex can look like a million things and it doesn't always include the parts you think it will include. 
It can include none of the parts you think it will include. It can include things that don't seem sexual. And it, it just can't take this predictable form. And spinal cord injury forced me to learn that. Yeah. And it has forced my partners to learn that. But I think that our experience is so much more enriched because exploration and discovery mean you can always win. You know? Yes. There's not, there's not a goal. Yes. If there's a goal, oh you God. just can't yes. discover in the same way. Yes. You know? Yes. If you hit climax and if there's ejaculation and orgasm or if there's whatever, awesome. And if there's not, it can still be the most fulfilling, the most mind-blowing, or the most meaningful sexual experience. Yeah. You know? Beautiful. I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what hopes do you have for your sexual self going forward? Hmm. <sighs> I, I mean, I, I like to explore so much. Mm-hmm. I like a lot of variation. And so I continue to learn with my boyfriend about new things that work. I want to explore more. I recently discovered a little bit more sensation in, like, my junk, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, here's a good one. I really really am working on trying new positions where I can actively top. Like, okay, so listen, I don't have any abdominal strength. I have no back strength. I have no hip strength. Like, I cannot thrust from my hips where it originates in my hips. Right. But I am in the process. (laughs) And this is tricky because it's like holding a plank. Like, as long as you can hold a plank, you can try this. And so after, like, a minute, I'm like, we have to do this another time. I can't hold myself up anymore. Yeah. But trying new positions where I can, like, actively talk has been so fun. That's awesome. And so empowering. And I, I feel like, I feel like. That's awesome. Just, like, a rock star. You know, so like, so it's like doing that more, perfecting it. Yeah. Because you know? <laughs> it's just, it's, it takes like just the right angles in terms of like where I place my paralyzed body because I have to kind of anchor points. Yep. Right? Totally. Yeah. And so it's kind of like this balance game where I can maximize the function of my shoulders and arms in terms of pulling myself in or pushing away. Yeah, so so that's on the list. And then I have more to explore in terms of sensation as a bottom, for sure. Cool. And around that area, because I think there's some untapped uh, possibilities and potential through there, for sure. Can I ask you a sex question that's related to Mormonism? Yeah. And just tell me if it's very offensive. (laughs) Okay. So I grew up with a few Mormon friends, and they would always tell me about soaking which they explained to me as something that happens in the Mormon church where people are like putting it in, but as long as there's no thrusting or like, and then they stay inside the woman Uh until the man either becomes flaccid or just ejaculates. But the key is there's no thrusting. Have you ever heard of that? Because I am strangely aroused by it and have asked past boyfriends to do it with me. And I just find it like a hilarious sensation. Is that a thing? I actually don't know, and it's okay. possible because I just didn't participate in the heteronormative okay. community. Of, like, fair, you know fair. What I mean? So no, okay. I don't know. 
about Because I always was like, I think they're lying to me. And I just don't know. Like, no, no, I, it's very possible. So there are like <laughs> variations of that kind of thing where, you, you know, in order to remain within the bounds of certain commandments <laughs> that you can get very, very close to sex without sex okay. or like you can almost like, like if you just don't climax, then you right. don't have to quite be accountable for like the whole thing. <laughs> okay. And so there's a lot of like lying playing. We, yeah, you know? we find our gray area. <laughs> yes. Is there anything else you want to say about your sexual self oh, or just anything in general? Yeah, I think that I would just say that I still continue to, you know, this podcast started, I mean, this episode, me talking with so much about like my faith and so much about shame. And mm -hmm. I still navigate that mm -hmm. and constantly push back against that, right? Like, especially as a disabled person, I have what people sometimes consider to be a, an inspiring presence on social media mm -hmm. or people with disabilities can be. Yeah, like used as inspiration porn. Mm -hmm. And our sexual identities are forgotten. Yeah. And so sometimes I still feel shame about that. You know, I still, I still feel shame about showing up as a sexual being. Because mm -hmm. I think, oh, well, maybe this is incongruent with what people expect of me. Maybe it's incongruent with, like, what I grew up with. Like, yeah. needing to be this wholesome yeah. individual that just didn't experience gayness or gay sexuality and mm -hmm. So it's, it's still so much a process for me, and I'm still committed to integrating that piece into my life in a healthy way, mm -hmm. even like as a professional moving forward. I have felt shame for so many different pieces of myself for so long mm -hmm. that I don't want to put any other piece of myself in the closet mm -hmm. because of shame. And so I'm committed to continuing kind of the conversation about sexualizing disabled people in a good, healthy way. Beautiful. Yeah. So. And lastly, if you could go back in time and give younger you a piece of sexual advice, what would you say and what age would you pick? Oh, man. But they're going to be, he's going to be in the same space, right? In terms of like. You can answer it different, multiple ways if you, okay. if you like. Okay. Yeah. One way I would answer it is I'd love to go back in time and kind of just like put my brain back in young Carson's brain and yeah. be like, Look, it's all good. Like, you can have boy crushes. You can have a boyfriend. You can experience all of these things as, like, a healthy young person. Do it now. Yeah. Like, like have that experience. Live. Spend your time developing yourself as a human being in that way instead of in fear and in regret and in shame. So I, I would do that. Mm -hmm. But knowing that I could never have gotten through to myself right in that way i would say i'm taking this question very literally no that, no that's great <laughs> I, and i think all answers are valid and i think multiple answers are great too. yeah i would also say to so just like be gentle mm -hmm. be gentle with yourself and the guilt and the shame and none of this is as grave or matters in the way you think it does and so while you figure things out don't beat yourself up too much. Be gentle with yourself. Forgive yourself. Beautiful. Yeah. Where can people find you on the internet? Okay. People can find me on... I, I'm mostly on Instagram mm -hmm. with Carson, C-A-R-S-O-N, underscore, and then my last name, Tuller, which is T-U-E-L-L-E-R. 
and Sex Stories Pod and my account. Follow him so you can go find him there too if you have a hard time with spelling. Absolutely, yeah. And then same for same um, on Twitter and Great. Facebook. It's just my name. So. Yeah. And he's he writes beautiful posts, so go check him out.